Good morning, everyone. It's really good to see you. I was out of town last Sunday, and I really missed all of you. I was on a camping trip with my two younger brothers, um, our first ever sibling camping and hiking trip together. We went to a park outside of Seattle and camped and then did an epic hike on last Saturday, and I'll be sharing a little bit about it um, actually in my sermon a little bit later this morning. But I'm glad to be back and to be worshiping with all of you today. So we're continuing in our series on Luke today. We've made it to um, chapter 15 of Luke. And we've been following Jesus and seeing what Jesus has been doing and saying and teaching and how Jesus has been loving people. And for quite a while now in this series, Jesus has been on the way towards his death. I think it's incredible to watch and to pay attention to the kinds of things that Jesus says and does and the kind of love that Jesus shows when he knows that he is on the way towards his death. To me, it gives like a heightened um, deepness and importance to everything that we see Jesus doing. So today in Luke 15, we're looking at a passage that may be very familiar to you. The parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And if you've known this scripture for years, I want to invite you still to expect that God is going to speak to you through it in new and powerful ways this morning. I want to invite you to hear it and see it with with new eyes and with a heart that's open to whatever God will say to us this morning. And maybe you're here today and you have never heard this scripture before. And if that's you, this is an incredible piece of scripture that you're going to get to hear this morning. And I want you to know that this scripture captures the heart of who our God is. It really captures the depths of who God is. So I'm excited for all of us to be impacted by this scripture. And let's join together in prayer as we enter into the word this morning. God, thank you for who you are, that you are just an incredibly merciful God, that you love us, that you, that you search for us when we're lost, that you rejoice when we're found. God, I pray for all of us here that you would help us to have open hearts and open minds to hear from you this morning and to be changed as we hear from you about who you are and what that means for our lives. So God, be with us, please, as we turn to your scripture, and we are eager to hear from you and to learn from you this morning. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Pastor Phil preached on the cost of discipleship, the final portion of chapter 14. And the very final verse of that chapter says, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And I want to continue from that verse straight into chapter 15. Let's start chapter 15 at verse 1 together. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know, in our Bibles, there's a chapter separation between chapter 14 and chapter 15. But 
that wasn't there in the original when these events were taking place. And so we had chapter 14 ending with whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Going straight into now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Notice what the tax collectors and sinners were doing. They were gathering around to hear Jesus. But what were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law doing? These people who were devoting their lives to studying God and to trying to follow him. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering. They were seeing these unlikely people, people they viewed as the worst of sinners, gathering around to hear Jesus, doing exactly what Jesus had just told them to do, to have ears to hear and to to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are furious about that, that tax collectors and sinners would come, that Jesus would let them come. And I think that hearers are found in unexpected places. People who will hear Jesus are found in unexpected places. And then Jesus is found in unexpected places. He is with the worst of the sinners letting them gather around to hear him. And it's in this context that Jesus tells these three famous parables. These parables are Jesus' answer to the Pharisees and teachers of the law who are wondering why the sinners are allowed to come and hear Jesus. These parables are his answer. And so let's dive into the first parable, the parable of the lost sheep in verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors. They all come together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 people who don't need to repent or don't think they need to repent or have repented already. There will be more rejoicing over that one who has been found. So I picture this flock of sheep And the 99 are together in the open area, and they're okay, they're safe, they're together where they should be. But there is this one sheep that has gotten separated, and he is lost, and he is not okay. He is in danger. And the shepherd goes after him and finds him and joyfully brings him back and celebrates. I was thinking of this scripture on my camping trip with my brothers last weekend, and I brought a couple of photos from that trip. The first photo will be of this horrible mountain pass that my brothers and I had to climb up from that lake up to this really high pass. It was just incredibly difficult, and there were dozens and dozens of hikers doing this. You can see I mean, you can see several hikers just right in that picture. And I was thinking, sometimes life feels a little bit like this picture. Like, life can be hard. It can be strenuous. It can be painful. 
But at least if we're with others and we have God with us, then we're okay and we can go forwards and we know the mercy of God and he helps us and our friends and family help us. And so there's community with one another and with God and things are okay. As we were preparing for this hike, though, we were reading about the pass and we were told that like there's one side of the pass that you're supposed to hike up and then there's another side that you're supposed to avoid because if you try to hike up that part, you could die. <laughs> and I took a picture of that other side. <laughs> and I picture this as being a little bit like what the lost sheep experienced. In that first picture, we were together, and it was hard and challenging, but there was love and community. And we were together with one another and with God. But here, someone who got lost out here would be just on their own and just um, in deadly danger and just, just without hope unless they could be found. And I think of that lost sheep, lost like this, without hope until the shepherd comes and rescues him. So this is a new picture I have in my mind of how God the shepherd rescues us from from that wilderness where there is no hope and brings us back where there is community and family and where there's relationship with God. This God who's like the shepherd who finds the lost sheep, this is our God. This is who he is. And it's important to me that this is always who I want to read with you a scripture from the Old Testament. Um, You'll see when we get to the weekly challenge that I'll be inviting you to read through the scripture. It won't be on the screen, but, but just hear these words from Isaiah 40, Old Testament scripture of our God. It says, The sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. But then it says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And it's so powerful to me to know that, that Jesus, in his love and mercy, he's reflecting as God who God always has been, that this is our God. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He carries them close to his heart. He doesn't leave them lost. He finds them and brings them back. And when he brings the the lost back, there is rejoicing and celebration all across heaven over the lost who have been found. And Jesus continues and he tells a second story. It's a story of a lost coin. And we'll pick it up in verse 8. Jesus says, Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And Jesus says again in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I picture this woman in her home, probably with a dirt floor. It's probably somewhat dark in her home. There's not electricity in it. And she's lost her coin. And she is sweeping and sweeping through her home, diligently trying to find this coin. And when she finds it, she celebrates and rejoices and calls everyone together to celebrate that she has found what was lost. And again, Jesus tells us this is what it is like in heaven when one person who has been lost is found. And as I think about Jesus' words here, I've been thinking back to last year when I went to Uganda. I brought in a photo from that trip last year of a time when we did door-to-door evangelism in Uganda. Um, And these are the group of Ugandan Christians that I had the joy of joining in with. And we walked through this village area and found different people and shared the love of God with them. And I remember some of the people that we met that day. I remember there was like an open-air bar, and there were three young adults, two men and one young woman, who were running this small open-air bar. And it was the middle of the day, and we went in and shared with them about the love of God. And I remember that one of the three of them, one of the men, said that he wanted to receive that love, and we were able to pray with him in the middle of this bar. And I remember we continued walking around, and one of the young adult men from the church was with us, a Ugandan young man, and he was sharing with us that his father had never received that love of God. And so we stopped by his father's home, and we were just out outside by his father's home and his father came over and we shared the love of God with him and this son got to see his father receive that love it was such a joyful thing to see somebody who had been lost come back and be found and we we continued walking and we came to a home where um, there was a man and his wife and the man was uh, very ill, probably close to death, in a in a bed, and basically their whole house was was the bed and the man, and just a spot for the woman to sit by him. And we shared God's love with him too, and got to pray with him as well. And when I think about these words of Jesus, this woman searching for the coin and celebrating when she finds the coin, I realize that God has that kind of love for people all over the world, for us right here in this room, and for people all across the world. God is reaching out to them and to us, and God is searching and finding us so that we can know that love of God and have that life in him. And here, too, it is so powerful to me to realize that 
that this is our God, that this is who God always has been and always will be. And there's a second Old Testament verse that you'll see in the weekly challenge as well from Zephaniah. Zephaniah says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. God is powerful and mighty. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This God who is powerful and mighty is also a God who rejoices over us with singing. That this is our God, a God of community, a God of celebration, a God of rejoicing. And so Jesus continues. He's still replying to the Pharisees who were so furious that sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus and that Jesus was allowing this. And so Jesus tells this third parable, this most famous parable of the lost son. So in verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of Our third mic of the morning. (laughs) All right, so at verse 12, the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and the son began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. This is an absolute low point for a Jewish young man who has gone out in search of freedom, adventure, independence, and has lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost his funds. And now he's doing something that is ceremonially unclean for himself. He is feeding pigs. And the son longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When the son came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And so the son makes this decision. He says, I will set out and go back to my father. But the son doesn't even believe he could ever be a son again. So this is his idea. I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The son is at an absolute low point. He is hungry. He is disgraced. He has nothing left. And in that low point... He makes a decision to return to his father. 
There are many things he could have chosen to do, but he decides to return to his father. He realizes he doesn't have to live like this anymore, that he would be better off even just as a hired servant of his father. And as I've been thinking about this scripture, there's an old song that came to mind. It's from when I was in college, and it's a song called No Son of Mine. I don't know if some of you might remember this song. It's... um. This song is the exact opposite of what our God is like, because in this song, there is a young man who has experienced horrible things in his family, and he decides to leave. And he goes away, and over time, he still misses his family and thinks about coming back. And in this song, this son decides to come back. And he comes back to the home where he grew up, But instead of being welcomed back, in this song, No Son of Mine, the father sits the son down and looks straight at him and says, you're no son of mine. Think about what those words would mean to us. And it's the mercy of God that when we come to God, he does not reply like that. And in a moment in the scripture, we'll see the reply of the father. But I found a video of one church's portrayal of the return of the son. I want to invite us to watch this church's creative portrayal of the return of the son. So if we can, let's play the video. since we talked, I was, I was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. (laughs) It's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon, and to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going, and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad.
that video makes me cry every time I watch it. And the most amazing thing is that the reality of God is even more beautiful and amazing than what we see in that video. So let's turn to the scripture in verse 20 and see this return of the sun. So Jesus says, The sun got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. The father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son began his prepared speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father doesn't even let the son finish the speech. The father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him, the robe for a guest of honor. Put a ring on his finger, the sign of authority as a son. Put sandals on his feet, this, these shoes representing somebody who's a free man. Bring the fattened calf, this fattened calf that is used for celebrations. And, and, let's, and kill it and let's have a feast and celebrate. And then Jesus shares these famous words. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they begin to celebrate. And I said that, that this reality of our God is even greater than what the video showed because the video stopped at the point of reunion and didn't show the celebration, that full inclusion back into the family, that joining together and rejoicing and celebrating that one who seemed to be dead is alive again and one who was lost is found again. It's a complete turnaround from a loss of everything to a restoration of everything. And there's one more part of this story because the older son comes back into the story. And let's pick that up at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He was working. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. He heard the celebration. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, the servant replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. But the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so this merciful father, our God, went out and pleaded with the older son. But the son answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And the younger son says, when this son of yours, or sorry, the older son says, when this son of yours, this younger son who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And then our merciful God, this merciful father, replies, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. And the father repeats these words, We had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
our God is a relational God. He loves us. He finds us when we are lost. He celebrates when we are found. And remember back to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who struggled with this idea that Jesus would let sinners gather around and hear him. I think the Pharisees and teachers of the law thought that the sinners are not worthy to be in the presence of God. And they're right. No one is worthy. No one is worthy to be in the love of God. But what the Pharisees missed is that from God's standpoint, everyone is worth it. And I want to invite us to take this with us, that no one is worthy, but everyone is worth it. If there are times when you feel not worthy to come into God's presence, it's true. No one is worthy. But what if we can remember that everyone is worth it? That God, in God's heart, everyone is worth it. And maybe there are times when we see people that we think are especially sinful, and maybe we feel like they're not worthy. And it's true, they're not worthy, just like we are not either. But what if we can remember that God says that they are worth it, that no one is worthy, but everyone's worth it? Let's take a look at our weekly challenge. So I want to invite us this week to read back through Luke chapter 15. If you'd like, feel free to take your cell phone out. You can get a picture of this. We'll include it in our weekly updates as well. Read back through Luke 15. Reflect on how you might be like the younger brother or how you might be like the older brother or maybe both at the same time. And respond to God in prayer around these parables and what they mean for you. To grow in faith, I want to invite us to read these two Old Testament scriptures. And you'll see again the connections with Jesus' words in Luke 15. Reflect on the goodness and mercy of God. And notice what especially stands out to you about that love and mercy of God for you and for all people. For overflow, seek God about who you have trouble loving. And make a decision to show God's love to that kind of person this week. Remember, it's true that they're not worthy, but they are worth it. What might God invite you to do? And then go ahead and do that. Let's pray together as we begin responding to this scripture, and I'll invite the worship team to come on back up. God, thank you for the God that you are, a God who is merciful, who is loving, who is tender, a God who finds the lost and brings them back. A God who cares about that person who has gotten lost. A God who celebrates when that person is found and comes back. God, I pray for each of us in our own hearts when we feel our own unworthiness. Help us to know who you are 
and help us to know that in your heart we are worth it. And God, as we meet people and we, and there may be some people that we have trouble loving, help us to remember this truth as well. That it's true that they are not worthy, just like we are not either, but that they too are worth it. That you seek them too, and that you rejoice when they are found. God, help us to know so deeply in our hearts this mercy and tenderness and love that you have this power that you have as well to find the lost to find those who are as if they are dead to bring them back to life God thank you that you are our God thank you that you find those who are lost and that you give life to, to all of us when you bring us back. God, we love you and worship you today. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand together? For a spoken word, you were singing over me. a breath you breathe your life in me